Chapter 5 The Squinty Gate Harry awakened early the next morning. Although he could tell it was daylight, he kept his, his eye tight shut. Yawn was a dream, he tells himself firmly. I dreamt a giant called Hagrid came to tell me I was going to school for warlocks. When I opened my eye, I'll be at home in my cupboard. There was suddenly a, a lurk shopping sound. And Yon's entrepreneur chopping on the door. Harry thought his heart sinking, but he still didn't open his eye. It had been that good a dream. Chop, chop, chop. All right, Harry mumbled. I'll get out of bed. He sat up and Hagrid's heavy coat fell off him. The bothy was full on sunlight. The storm was over. Hagrid himself was asleep on the cupboard sofa and there was a hooded chaffin with its cloak on the window with its cloak on the window holding a newspaper on his beak harry scrambled to his feet so happy he felt as though a muckle balloon was swelling inside him he guided straight over and opened the window the hooded swooped in in and it dropped a newspaper on top of haggard who uh, didn't wake up. The hula then flickered onto the floor and started to bite and start at Hagrid's coat. Didn't done that. Hagrid tried to frighten the hula away, but it snatched its beak rapidly at him and carried on malik in the coat. Hagrid, said Harry literally. There's a hula. Pay him. Hagrid grunted into the sofa. What? He wants to get paid for delivering the paper. Look in the pouches. Hagrid's coat seemed to be made of nothing but pouches. Bunch of the keys, slug pellets, balls of string, mint hubbugs, tea bags. Finally, Harry pulled out a handful of strange looking coins. Give him five notes, said Hagrid sleepily. Notes? The wee browns ones. Harry counted out five wee brown coins, and the hula had its leg out so, so Harry could put the silver into a small leather pouch tied to it. Then it flew off through the open window. Hagrid gaunted loudly, sat up and stretched. Best be off, Harry. Lots to do today. Got to get up to London and buy a... All your gear for the school. Harry was turning over the warlock coins and looking at them. He had just thought of something that could stick a pin into the happy balloon inside him. Um, Hagrid? Hmm? Said Hagrid. What was pulling on the muckle bits? A muckle? Pulling on muckle bits? So, like, shoes? No. Um. I have not got any sil. I haven't gone any siller, and you heard Uncle Vernon last night. He wanna pay for me to go in and learn magic. Dinner fast yourself, about that," said Hagrid, standing up and scratching his head. Scratching his head. Do you think your parents didn't lend your own? Barbies? But if their house was burnt down, they didn't keep their gold in the house, daddy. Nah, first stop for us, for us is Gringotts. Warlock's bank. Have a sausage, they're no bad cold. And if you wouldn't say no to a scliff for your birthday cake, either. Warlock's have banks? Just thine. Gringotts, run by Dooley's. Harry dropped the Doro sausage he was holding. Doolies? Aye, some folk call them goblins, but you'd be off your head if to try and rub em. Rub it. I'll tell you that. Dinner mess with Doolies, Harry. Gugguts is the safest place in the world for anything you want to keep safe, apart from maybe Hogwarts. As a matter of fact, I've got to visit Gugguts anyway for Dumbledikes. <laughs> I've been them forever. Okay. Um, Hogwarts business came. Hagrid drew himself up proudly. He usually gets me to do important stuff for him. G- 
getting you, getting things for Gringotts. Keens, he can trust me, see. Got anything? Got anything? Come on, then. Harry followed Hagrid out onto the scary. Okay, I'm stopping. The lift was gay clear now, and the sea there leaned in the sunlight. The boat Uncle Vernon had rented was all there with a lot of water in the bottom after the storm. How did you get here? Hagrid. Harry spired, looking around for another boat. A flu, said Hagrid. Flu? Aye, but we'll, we'll get back in this. I'm not supposed to use magic. No, I've got, no, I've got you. They settled down in the boat. Harry, I go up at Hagrid, trying to imagine him fleeing. Seems a shame to row, though, said Hagrid, getting Harry another of his sideways looks. If I was to can speed things up a bit, uh, would you mind not mentioning it at Hogwarts? Of course not, said Harry. Fine, fidgeting far to see... Fidgeting far to... Oh, no. Fidgeting far to see my mortal magic. Oh, okay. Those are all, like, really small words. And I feel like it should be, like, one big word. If I say it in the one big word, maybe. Fidgeting far to see... Fidgeting far to see my magic. I guess. Hagrid pulled out in the pink umbrella again. Chapter... Uh, twiced on the side of the boat and they sped off toward land. Why would you be off to their head to try and rub Gwingax? Harry squired. Can trips and can enchantments, said Hagrid, unfolding the newspaper as he spoke. They say there's dragons guarding the top security vaults and then you've got to find your way. Gringotts is hundreds of miles under London King, deep under the underground You'd, you'd uh, a hung, hunger trying to get out, even if you did manage to get your hands on something. Harry sat and thought about this while Hagrid read his newspaper, The Daily Prophet. Harry had learned for Uncle Vernon that folk liked to be left alone while doing this, but it was awfully difficult. He'd never had so much some money questions in his life. Mystery, 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 magic, making a right good of things as usual. Hey, good mumps, turning the page. There's a mystery of magic. Harry spired before he could stop himself. Of course, said Hagrid. They want, they wanted Debbie Dykes for minister, of course, but he'd never let Lord Hogarth's uh, old. Cornelius Fogg's got the job. Dunderhind, if ever there was one. Say he nips Dubby Dykes to hand with hoolets every morning, sparring for advice. But what does a minister of magic do? Will. What does a ministry of magic do? Will their main job is to keep it so the muggles don't kin theirs. Ah, uh, Carlins and Warlocks gone about up and down the country. Why? Why? Jake's Harry. Anybody would be wanting their problems fixed with magic. Nah, we're better left alone. At this moment, the boat dunted gently into the harbor. Wow. Wow. Hagrid folded up his newspaper and they screwed the stand steps onto the street. Passersby just gawked at Hagrid. As they walked through the wean tone to the station, Harry couldn't blame them. No, only with, not only was Hagrid twice as muckle as anybody else, he kept it pointed at ordinary things like parking meters and saying loudly, "See that, Harry? See what the muggles have come up with?" No, Hagrid," said Harry, pinching a bit as he ran up, ran to keep up. Did you say there are dragons at Gringotts? <clears throat> well, say they say, said Hagrid. 
Crivens, I'd like a dragon. You'd like one? Uh, what do you wanted done ever since I was a wee boy? That's us here, no. They had racks the station. There was a train to London in five minutes time. Hey, good one, didn't understand Mugosilla, as he called it, and gave the notes to Harry so he could buy him their tickets. Folk gawked at him even more on the train. Hagrid turned up to two seats and then sat knitting with looked like a kind of yellow circus tent. Have you still got your litter, Harry? He sparred as he counted streaks, sticks. Quintet sticks. Harry turned the parchment envelope out of his pouch. Good, said Harry. Good. There's a loot three. There is anything you need. Harry unfolded a second piece of paper he hadn't noticed the night before and read, Hogwood School of Collingcraft and Warlocky. Uniform. First year students must have three plain work gowns, gowns, black, on plain hook, Pokey hat, bullock for day wear, own pa- uh, protective gloves, dragon hide or similar, own winter cloak, black cellar festines. Please note that all people's class should carry name tags. Set books. I'm, all students should have a copy of each of the following. The standard book of cantrips, grade one by Miranda Goshrock. A History of Magic by Bethilda Bergshot. Magical Theory by Al Adelbert Wafflin. A Beginner's Guide to Transfiguration by Imrick Switch. Own Thousand Magical Herbs and Fungi by Fulinda Spur. Magical Drafts and Poisons by Arsenis Jenna. Fantastic Beasties and Where to Find Them by Newt Schmanda. Oh, I didn't realize... Why didn't I connect that? That's stupid. The Dork Forces, a guide to self-protection by Quentin Trimble. Items growth, one wand, one cauldron, pewter, standard-sized tool, one set, set gloves of crystal ferals, one telescope, one set breast scales. Students may bring as well a hulet or a baldron or a podog. Parents are reminded that first years are not allowed to have their own bosoms. That's brooms, right? Can you buy on all this in London? Harry wondered lewd. If you can, if you know what you're doing, said Hagrid. Harry had never been to London before, although Hagrid seemed to know where he was going. He was obviously not used to getting there the way, the way anybody else did. He got fuckled up in the... <laughs> Funkled up in the ticket barrier on the underground and complained loudly that the seats were all wean and the trains all sore. I didn't keen who the muggles managed without magic, he said as they scooted a broken down escalator that led up to a road, hoaching with folk and lined up shops. Hagrid's was some muckle that the crowds of folk parted to floor them. All Harry had to do was keep close at unto him. They post muckle shops and music stores, hamburger restaurants and picture houses, but nowhere that looked as if he it could sell yet a magic wound. This was just an ordinary street for an ordinary folk. Could have could there really be bangs on a warlock's gold yarded miles? below the feet were there really shops that sold cantrip books and bosoms was this no on some muckle that the Dursleys are playing on him if Harry hadn't kent that Dursleys had no sense of humour he might have thought that say yes some way even though every anything Hagrid had told him so was unbelievable. Harry couldn't keep trusting him. 
She couldn't help trusting him. This is it, said Hagrid, coming to a stop. The Cracket Cauldron. It's a kinspeckle kin space. It was a totty, clotty-looking wolf. If Hagrid hadn't pointed it out, Harry wouldn't have noticed it was there. The folk gnashing by didn't even kick kicked at it. They in their iron jinks janked for the muckle bookshop with the to the side to the record shop on the other side on the to the as if they couldn't see the cracked hung on it at all. In fact Harry had the most uncle failing that only he and Hagrid could see it before he could menace mention this, Hagrid had stirred him inside. For Sika's kinspickle pub it was a bit of cope. A puckled women were sitting in the corner, drinking toty tosses of sherry, and on them were smoking a long pipe. A wee man in a loam hat was talking to the old old boy man, who wa well, had a body head and looked like a gumsy walnut. <laughs> gumsy. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay. Uh, the lacked biz of blethers stopped when they walked in. Everybody seemed to kin Hagrid. They waved and smiled at him, and the barman waxed the tassie saying, The usual Hagrid. Kanatam, uh, I'm on Hogwarts business, said Hagrid, pitting his muckle hand on Harry's shoulder and making Harry's naps buckle. Good lord, said the barman, kicking at Harry. Is this it? It cannot be. The cracker cauldron had suddenly gone completely wished. <laughs> Bless my Nicky Toms, was with the old barman. Harry Potter, with, with an, what an honor. He joked out far onto the bar, gnashed toward Harry, and gloved his hand, tears in his eyes. Welcome back, Mr. Potter, welcome back. Harry didn't can what to say. Anybody was looking up at him. The old woman with the pipe was all puffing on it. No can it had gone out. Hagrid was grinning from muckle lug to muckle lug. Muckle lug to. Wait. Muckle lug to muckle lug is like a lug in ear. Okay. Um. Then there was a great scrooting of chairs, and next moment Harry found himself shaking hands with anybody in the crocodile cauldron. Doors coughing, Mister Potter. Can't believe I'm meeting you at last. So proud, Mister Potter. I'm just so proud. Anyways, what did you shake your hand? Ouch! I'm up to hide oh. Delighted Mr. Potter, I just cannot tell you. Diggle's the name. Dudless Dead, Diggle. I've seen you before, said Harry, as Dudless Diggle home lum hat fell off his heart in excitement. You're bound to me in a shop. He minds, cried Dudless Diggle, looking around at everybody. Did you hear that? He minds me. Harry shook hands again and again. Doors core for Quack forward, kept in coming back for more. A poorly young man made his way for it, awfully nervous like when all his eye was uh, twitching. Professor Quirrell, said Hagrid. Oh my god. I lost Hagrid. That's okay. Um, I don't think I really had an accent for Hagrid anyway. Um, Harry, Professor Quirrell will be one of your... Dominies at Hogwarts. P -p -p Potter, bubbled Professor Quirrell, gripping Harry's pond. C -c Can I tell you how pleased I am to meet you? What kind of magic do you teach, Professor Quirrell? D -d Defense against the d -d -d dark arts, mumbled Professor Quirrell, as though he had, he'd rather not. No, think about it. Know what you needed, like Potter. He lunched nervously. Like, You'll be 
uh, get getting uh, your great noodle. I've got got to pick up the new book on vampires. He looked frightened at the very thought. I have no idea what he said. <laughs> I don't care what he said. I was just... <laughs> okay. Um, I know he talked about vampires, so that's frightening. But the others wanna let Professor Quirrell keep Harry to himself. It took near ten minutes to get away for um the mall. At long last, Hagrid managed to make himself heard over the Kushmakavas. The Kushmakavas. We have to get on. Hundred of things to buy. Come on, Harry. Doris Crookford shook Harry's hand in last time, and Hagrid led them been through the hoof and out into a wee courtyard with a wall running round it where there were, was nothing but a dustbin and a book of weeds. Hagrid grinned down at Harry. Tell ya, tell ya, did I know? Tell ya they were famous, even famous. Even Professor Crow was trembling to, to meet ya. Mind ya, he's usually trembling. Is he always that nervous? Oh, yeah. For so brilliant mind, he was fine while he was studying out of books. But then he's turned a year off to get some first-hand experience. They say he met vampires in the Black Forest and he had an awfully unfriendly encounter with Gorn Carlin. Hasn't been the same since. Fear to the students, fear to his own subject. No. Where is my umbrella? Vampires? Gyrogoid Carlins? Harry's head was burling. Hagrid, meanwhile, was counting bricks in the wall up in the dustbin. Three up to a cost, he mumbled. Right, stand back, Harry. He trapped the way three times with the point of his umbrella. The brick he had towards chittered. It struggled. In the middle of it, a wee hole appeared. It grew brighter and brighter. A second after they were looking through an archway muckle on a, even for Hagrid. A pen that led onto a street paved with costly steins and that twisted and turned onto to sight. Welcome, said Hagrid, to the squinky gate. He grinned at Harry's bombazement. They stepped through the bend. Harry kicked quickly over his shoulder and saw the archway shrink instantly back into solid wall. The sun streamed brightly on a stack of cauldrons outside the near shop. Cauldrons all sizes, copper breast pewter scylla, cells staring, fold away, fold away said a sign hanging out over them. Aye, you'll be needing one of those, said Harrigan, but we've got to tell, get to Yasilla first. Harry wished he had about eight more iron. He turned his head in every direction as they walked up the street, trying to look at anything at once. The shops, the things outside them, the folk doing their messages. A wick, a wicky wife, Outside apothecaries was shaking her head as they passed, saying, Dragon liver, 1600 unknowns. They're all way with the fairies. A large, soft hooting came for a dark shop with a sign saying, I love who lit Emporium, Jenny, Screech, Baron, Brune, and Snoy. A halter laddies about Harry's age had their Nebs pressed against a window with bosoms in it. Look, Harry heard one of them say, the new Nimbus 2000, fastest ever. There were shops selling guns, shops selling telescopes, and strange silly instruments Harry had never seen before. Windows sh- stacked with barrels of buckles, bucky birds, spleens, and ears in 
sugar little piles as canter bulks, quills and rows of parchment, potion bottles, globes of the moon, Gringax, said Hagrid. They had wrecked a snow-white begin that told over the other we shops. Standing aside its burnished brown stores wearing a uniform of scarlet and gold was... Aye, there's a dually, said Hagrid, quiet-like as they walked up the white stone steps toward him. The dually was about a head shorter than Harry. He had a dark averse sharp face, a pointed head, beard, and Harry noticed awfully long fingers and feet. He bowed as they walked in. No, they were facing a second pair of doors, still this time with words engraven on them. Come in, stranger, but take heed of what awaits the sin of greed. For them that steal, no man or run will no be long, long to get their fun. Say if Parklands, which you're looking for, no. <laughs> Say if Parklands, which you're thinking, no. Treasures that didn't belong to you. Thief, that's you being told and say beware. You might find more than treasure there. Like I said, you'd be off to. Off your head to try and rub it, said Hagrid. Two dollars bowed them through the cellar doors and they were in the muckle marble day. About a hundred more dollars were sitting on high stools at a long counter, scurrying in muckle ledges, weighing coins on brass scales, examining precious stones through eye glasses. There were over money, all money doors to count leading off the hat, and yet more doorways were showing folk in and out of these. Hagrid and Harry headed for the counter. Morning, said Hagrid to a free doorway. We've come to take some silla out of Mr. Harry Potter's safe. You have his key, sir? Got it there somewhere said Hagrid, and he started to coping the contents of his pouches onto the counter, scarling a handful of footy dog biscuits over the, or the dooley's bulk of numbers. The dooley wrinkled his knob. Harry watched the dooley on their right, wearing a pile of rubies, rubies as muckles as low and coals. Found it, said Hagrid at least, holding up a toty golden key. The dolly tana close to kick at it. That seems to be in order. And I have a letter here for Professor Debbie Dykes, said Hagrid importantly, putting out his chest. It's about the you-know-what in vote 713. The dolly read the letter with his sharp eye. Very well, he said, holding it back to Hagrid. I will get somebody to take you down to both vaults. Griphook Griphook was yet another dolly. Was that? Once Hagrid had starched all the dog biscuits back into the back into his pooches, he and Harry followed Griphook toward on of the doors leading off the ha. What's the you know what in vault seven hundred and thirteen? Harry spired. Can I tell you that, said Hagrid mysteriously, after secret Hogwarts, office secret Hogwarts business, W. Dykes trusted me. More than my job's worth to tell you that. Kriphook held the door open for the two of them. Harry, one had expected more marble, was surprised. They were in a narn stone passageway lit with blazing torches. It was on it was on a stair downward slope and there were small train tracks on the floor. Griphook whistled and a wean cart came hurling out into the in the tracks up the tracks toward them. They skim skilled in Hagard no wood what it a truck trussy and were off. At first they was hurled through a maze of twisting passages. 
Harry tried to mind left, right, right, left, middle, fork, right, left, but it was impossible. The rattling cart seemed to kin its own way because Gripoth was not staring. Harry's own stung as the cold air whooshed past them, but he kept them wide open. Once he thought he saw a blaze of fire on the end of the passage and twist round to see if it was a dragon, but on or too late. But on or late, they dropped doing down even deeper, passing an underground lock where muckalong staglites and stagmites grew for the ceiling and floor. I never known Harry called to Hay get over the noise in the cart. What's the difference between a stalagmite and a stalactite? Stalagmites got on eminent, <laughs> said Hagrid, and didn't aspire any questions than no. I think I'm gonna tabook. He did look grey-green, and when the court stopped at long last, aside a wee door in the passage wall, Hagrid got out and had to lean against the wall to stop his knees, naps trembling. Grip hook unlocked the door. A cloud of green reek came blowing out, and as it cleared, Harry gulped. Inside were moons of gold coins, rows of silver, bings of wee green bronze nuts. All's yours, smiled Hagrid. All Harry's, a wizna real. The Dursleys couldn't have kept about this or they'd have taken him it off him in the blink of an eye. Harry who many times had they learned that it cost them an arm and a leg to keep Harry and all the times they had been a sm- small fortune belaging him you're deep under London. Hagrid helped Harry hold some of the some of it into a poke. The gold ones are galleons. Seventeen silver hooks to a galleon and twenty-nine nuts to a hook. It's not that difficult, right? That should uh, year for a couple of terms. We'll keep the hot last of it safe for you here. He turned to Gripok. Well, it's 713, no. Please, and do we have to go so fast? <clears throat> Just got the one speed, said Gripok. They were going even deeper, no, and gathering speed. The air was colder and colder, getting as they hold out round right tight corners. They got rattling over a deep under, underground lane and Harry leaned all the side to try to see what was done at the pit marked bottom of it but Hagrid grunted and pulled himself back by the scruff of his neck Vote 713 had no keyhole stand back said Griphook importantly he kickled the door gently with yen of his long fingers and it simply melted away if anybody but a Gringotts duly tried that, they'd be soaked through the door and trapped in there, said Gurkhup. Who often do you check to see if anybody's inside? Harry spired. Once about once every ten years, said Gurkhup, with a rather unfriendly grin. Something off a bo- bo- order had to be inside this top security wall vault. Harry was shot and fighting for he learned for it. Expecting to see Van Tush jewels at the very least, but at first he thought it was Tom. Then he noticed a clatty wee parcel happened up in brown paper lying on the floor. Hegard picked it up and toasted deep inside his coat. Harry longed to know Keen with what was but kept better than, but knit better than to spire. 
come on now. Back in the off court and dinner talk to me on the way back. It's better if ye if you keep my mouth shut, said Hagrid. <clears throat> How many more pages? One helicart cart ride later, they stood blinking at the sunlight outside Gringotts. Harry didn't keen where to bring first know that he had a poke for a silver. <clears throat> he didn't need to keen who money galleons there were to a pound to keen that he was holding... <clears throat> More silly than he had in his whole life. More silly than even Dudley had ever had in his gripping wounds. Might as well get your uniform, said Hagrid, noting toward Madame Mocha's gowns in the allocation. Lissy Harry. Might as well get you in the farm, said Hagrid, noting toward Madame Morgan's scones of for all occasions. Listen, Harry, would you mind if I slip it away for a wee dram in the cricket cauldron? I hate to the Gringotts coats. Hagrid still looked awful knowing. So, so Harry good been to Madame Morgan's shop. Alone, feeling nervous. Madame Malkin was a dumpy, smiling carlin, basket odd and mauve. Hoggart's dear, she said when Harry started to speak. Got awful you need here. Another young man getting fitting up just new, in fact. In the back of the shop, a lady with a pillowally sharp face was standing. Oh, on a fistful, while a second Carlin peened up his long black gown. Madame Hawkin put Harry on a stool next to him, slipped a long gown over his head, and started to peen it to the right length. Ha, ha there, said the lady. Hogwarts, Aye, said Harry. My father's next door, buying my books, and mother's up in the street looking at once. Said the laddie. He had a bored, longsome voice. Then I'm gonna make them la- tummy take me to look at waist and br- bosoms. I didn't see how Forster cannot have their own. I think I'll buy Bully Father into getting me one, and I'll just pocket it in to Hogwarts anyway. Then I minded Harry and Dudley. Uh, yeah, gotcha on bosom. The laddie got on. Nah, said Harry. Play bosom ball at all? Nah, said Harry. Said again. Harry said again, wondering what on earth bosom ball might be. I did. Father says he'll, it'll be absolutely criminal if I'm not picked to play in for my house. And, if, and I have to say I agree. You can, which house you'll be in yet? Nah, said Harry, feeling more stupid by the minute. Well, nobody really knows until they get there, do they? But I can all be in Slytherin. Uh, our old family had been. Imagine being in Hucklebrook. <laughs> Hucklebrook. I think I'd just walk out of Hogwarts and on it all together. Would you know? Mm, said Harry. Wishing he could say something a bit more interesting. Hi, would you look at them again? Said the lottie suddenly, nodding toward the front window. Hagrid was standing there, grinning at Harry and pointing at two muckle hot ice creams to show he couldn't have come in. That's Hagrid, said Harry. Please to can something the laddie didn't know. He works at Hogwarts. 
I said, Laddie, I've heard about him. He's some ginning servant, as you know. He's a groundkeeper, said Harry. He was taking a right scummer at this laddie's party. Uh, exactly. I heard he's sort of torture bides in a bothy on the school grounds and every now and then he gets bothered to tries to do magic and ends up setting his bed on fire. I think he's bra, said Harry coldly. Daya, said the laddie, starting to look down his nub at Harry. Who come he's with you? Where are your parents? They're dead, said Harry sharply. He didn't feel like talking about it, no, not this naughty wean. Oh, sorry, said the lather. Now Sonic's already old. But they were or kind, eh? They were Carlin and Warlock, if that's what you mean. I really didn't think they should let the other sort in, do you? They're just not the same. They're not been brought up to keen our ways. Some of them haven't ever even heard of Hogwarts until they got the letter. What you credit it? I think they should just keep it in the old warlocking families. What's your surname anyway? But before Harry could answer, Madame Mura Mokin said, That's you all finished, my dear. And Harry, no sorry for an excuse to stop talking to the to this one. Jinxstone for the for stool. Well Boon de see Hogwarts, said the scrunier some fella laddie. Harry didn't say on muckle as he ate the ice cream. Hagrid had bought him chocolate and raspberry with chopping nuts. What's wrong? said Hagrid. Nothing, Harry lied. They stopped to buy parchment and quills. Harry cheered up a bit when he found a bottle of ink that changed color as you screwed. Once they were out the shop, he said, Hey, good. What's buzzable? Jigs, Harry. I can keep forgetting you didn't king, you didn't king things. No, no kicking about buzzable. Bizumbum. Didn't make me feel worse, said Harry. He told Hagrid about the Pillywally laddie and Madame Mulkins. And he said folk for muggle farmings, families shouldn't even be allowed in. You're no for a muggle family. It If he can note what you, what you were, he'd grown up can kinning your name if his parents or, or were locking folk you saw what anybody was like in the crooked cauldron anyway what does he know keen about it some of the best I ever saw were the only ones with magic in them for a long time or muggles look at your ma look what she had for sister say what is bosom ball it's a sport, warlock sport. It's like, like football in the muggle world. Anybody follows, follows bosom ball, played up in the air on the bosoms and their follow bars, and it's a bit hard to explain in the rules. Winter, Slytherin and Hucklebuck. Schoolhouses. That's, there's four. Anybody says. Anybody says hucklebikes are a bunch of tubes, but bet you I'm in hucklebike, said Harry gloomily. Better hucklebike than slitterin', said Hagrid doughtily. There's not a single Carlin or Warlock that turned bad when wasn't in Slytherin. You know, one was one. Fold, sorry. You know what was a Hogwarts? Aye, he was. All long sign, said Hagrid said Hagrid. They bought Harry's school books in a shop called Flourish and Boats, where the shelves were strapped to the ceiling with books as muckle as cosy stones, wounded in leather books, the size of post postage stamps and corners of silk, books for uh, uncle symbols, and a ween books with nothing in them at all. 
even Dudley would never read never read anything. Even Dudley, who had never read anything, would have been fighting for fun to get his horns on some of these. Hager just about had to cart Harry away from curses and counter curses. Beg Glomor your friends and Bombaz your enemies and with the latest revenges. Hair loss, jelly legs, tongue tucking, and a muckle muckle mare. By Professor Fintus von Verinden. I was wanting to find out who to put a curse on Dudley. I'm no saying that isn't a bright idea, but yeah, not to use magic in the muggle world apart for a gay special circumstances, said Hagrid. And anyway, you couldn't make a, any of these curses wor- work yet. He'll need a lot more study before you can do, get that good. Hagrid was wouldn't uh, let Harry buy a solid gold gold cauldron either. It said pudder on your this leet, but they got to raw such a scars for weighing potion ingredients in a foldable brass telescope. Then they visited the apothecaries, which was fascinating enough to make up for its hawking smell a mixer baxter of year old eggs and footsie kale. Bills of cushy stuff stood on the floor, jars of herbs, dried roots, and bright potus lined the walls, bundlings of fiddles, fetters, strings of fangs, and twisted cloaks hanging for the ceiling. Well, Hagrid spired the man, I at the counter for a supply of some basic potion ingredients for Harry. Harry himself examined silver unicorn horns at twenty fine galleons each and minuscule glistering blick clockered in five notes of scoop. Outside the apothecaries, Hagrid checked Harry's lights again. Just your one left. Oh, aye, and uh, still hadn't got your birthday present. Harry felt himself going red. You didn't have to. I can, I didn't have to. Tell you what, I'll get you a animal. No bullock, bullock, but not a puddocks. Puddocks gone old fashioned years ago. You'd get laughed at, and I don't like baldrons. They make me sneeze. I'll get you a hoolet. And the barns want hoolets. They're awfully useful. Carry your letters and everything. Twenty minutes later, they left Ilop's Hoolet Emporium, which had been dark and full of rustling and frickling jewel bright in. Harry now carried a muckle cage that held a bony sorry Hoolet, fast asleep with her head under her wing. He couldn't stop hobbling with his thanks, sounding just like her Professor Quirrell. Don't mention it, said Harry Good, roughly. Don't expect you've had a lot of presents off off the Dursleys. Just all the left, no? Only a place for ones, Ollivanders, and you've got to have the best wand. A magic wand. This was what Harry had been really looking forward to. The last shop was Nara and Rundown. Peeling good letters or the door read Ollivanders, Makers of fine wine since 382 BC. A single wand lay on a folded purple cushions in the story window. A bell rang somewhere in the depths of the shop as they stepped inside. It was a totty wee place, tomb a port for a tall, spurly chair that Hagrid sat on to wait. Harry had a strange feeling he had come. Into an awfully strict library, he swallowed a wean of new questions that had just came to him and kicked him into the thousands of Nora kids' kiss piled tightly right up to the ceiling. For some reason, he backed on those neck prickles. Even the stool and silence in here seemed to do with some hurling magic. Good afternoon, said a soft voice. Harry Lopez. Hagrid must have Lopez, too, because there was a lewd scratching sound, and he scrambled quickly off the spiral stair chair. An old man was standing before him. 
His wife pulled while in shining like two moons through the half light of the shop. Hello, said Harry, all awkward. Aye, aye, said the man. I thought I'd be seeing you soon, Harry Potter. It wasn't a question. You have your mother's eye. It seems like just like yesterday he was in she was here in herself buying her first wand. Ten and a quarter inches long, a good swish to it, and made out of salt. A broad wand for charm work. Mr Ollivander flitted closer to Harry. Harry wished he would blink that seller of own were going getting him the cold crepes. Your father, on the other hand, other hand, favored a mahogany wand, eleven inches, supple, a bit more poor and broad for transfiguration. Well, I say your father favored it. It's really the wand that was the warlocks, of course. I like transfiguration. He became yeah. Right. Um, Mister Olivander had came. So close that he and Harry were just about neb to neb. Harry could see himself affecting in those misty scene, and that's where Mr. Ollivander touched the lightning jag scar on Harry's forehead with a long white finger. I'm sorry to say I sent the one that did it, he said, thirteen and a half inches, yeah. Powerful wand, gay powerful, and in the wrong hands. Well, if I'd kitten it, what that wand was gonna out into the world to do? He shook his head, and then to Harry's relief, spotted Hagrid. Rubius, Rubius Hagrid, good to see you again. Ugh, 16 inches, rather bendy, is it? No. It was sorry, said Hagrid. Good wand, that yin, but... No, do they snap it in half when you got expelled? Said Mr. Ollivander, suddenly stern. Er, I, they did, I, said Hagrid, scrawling his feet. I've still got the pieces, though, he added brightly. But you done use them, said Mr. Ollivander sharply. Oh, no, sir, said Hagrid quickly. Harry noticed the grubbit, his pink umbrella, gay tight as he spoke. Hmm, said Mr. Ollivander, gang Hagrid a sword look. Well, no, Mr. Potter, let us see. He poured a long tape measure with silver muffins out of his pooch. Which is your wand arm? Uh, well, I'm right-handed, said Harry. Hand out your arm. That's it. He measured Harry for shoulder to finger, then sort of to elbow, shoulder to fire, nap to oxter, and wound to his head. As he measured, he said, I've, I've, Ivory Ollivander wand has a core of a powerful magical substance, Mr. Potter. We use unicorn hairs, phoenix tail feathers, and the hair strains are dragons. Not two Ollivander wands are the same, just as no two unicorns, dragons, or phoenixes are the same. And of course, you will never get as good results with another warlock's wand. But Ron got results when he was in first year and even second year because he's powerful. Sorry. Harry suddenly realized that the tape measure that was measuring between his neb holes was doing the sun zone. Miss Lavender was flitting around the shelves, taking down we kits. That will do, he said, and the tape measure corped into a heap on the floor. Right then, Mr. Potter, try this in. Beechweed and dragon strain, nine inches, good and flexible. Just take it and give it a weave. Harry turned the wand and, feeling gibbet, waved it around a bit, but Mr. Ollivander which it out of his hand almost at once. Maple and Phoenix Feather, seven inches, gay wibbit, try. Harry tried, but he had hardly lifted the wand when it was taken back by Mr. Ollivander's wife. No, no, here, ebony and unicorn hair, eight and a half inches springy, gone, tried out. 
Harry tried and tried, and he had he had no idea what Mr. Ollivander was look, waiting for. The pile of tried wands was more and more muckle getting on the spiral chair, but the more wands Mr. Ollivander poured off the shelves, the happier he seemed to get. Fickle customer, eh? Dinner wa- vash will find you the perfect match here somewhere. Heno no I why not uncle combination. Holly and Phoenix Feather, eleven inches, bronze shuffle. Harry tried the wand. He felt sudden warmth kickling his fingers. He lifted the wand upon his head, brought it swishing down through the story air and saw a of reed and gold spark shot for the end like a firework. Flinging dancing spots of light onto the walls. Hagrid hooched and clapped, and Mr. Ollivander cried, Oh, prob biscuits! I indeed, oh, very good. Well, well, well. Hold, uncle. Who awfully uncle? He put Harry's wand back into its Christine wrapped it in brown paper. I'm mumbling. Uncle, uncle. Actually, what was it that he looked? This was a phoenix feather, 11 inches, fall and supple. What's his mom? His mom had 10 and a quarter inches. Uh, swish. Doesn't really say what else. And then his dad had a... Mahogany, 11 inches, supple. And his was... 11 inches bra. Why is his mom bra? Doesn't really say. Okay. Alright. Um. Uncle, uncle. Sorry, said Harry, but what's uncle about it? Mr. Ollivander glowed at Harry with his siller. I mind every wand I've ever sold, Mr. Potter. Every single wand. It so happens that the phoenix whose tail feather is in your wand gave another feather, just one un other. It's an awfully curious indeed that you should be destined for this wand when its brother will its brother give you that scar. Harry swallowed. Aye, thirteen and a half inches, you. It is uncle indeed who these things turned out. The wand was was the warlock's mind. I think we must expect great things for you, Mr. Hatta. Either I, he was should not be named, did great things, awful things, I but great. Harry shuddered. He was not sure he liked Mr. Ollivander on that muckle. He paid seven gold gold galleons for his his wand and Mr. Ollivander bowed down over to the shop. The late afternoon sun hit it right in the lift as Harry and Hagrid made their way back down the squinty gate, back through the Y, back through the cracked cauldrons. Oh, no desert. Harry didn't speak at all as they walked down the road. He didn't even notice who many folk were gawking at them on the underground, cornering down as they were with all their uncle's shops, pokes, with the Shawnee, Shawnee who lit to sleep in his cage on Harry's lap. Up another escalator, out onto Paddington Station. Harry only realized where they were when Hagrid chopped him in the shoulder. Got time for some scarring for your train, he said. He bought Harry and himself a hamburger and sat down on plastic seats to eat them. Harry kept it looking around, awfully honest, awfully ruined boat, looked somewhat feminine and new. Yeah, right, Harry. You're awfully quiet, said Hagrid. Harry wasn't sure he could explain. He just had the best birthday of his life, and yet he called his hamburger, trying to find the right words. Anybody thanks I'm special, he said at last. I think folk in the Cracket Cauldron, Professor Quirrell, Mr. Ollivander, but I didn't ken anything about magic at all. 
How can they expect great things? I'm famous, and I cannot even mind what I'm famous for. I did not ken what happened when Vol- Sorry, I mean the night my parents died. Harry leaned- Hagrid. Hagrid leaned over the table. I hit the range bird in a rose he wore an awfully kind smile. Dinner you worry, Harry. You'll learn gugly enough. Anybody starts at the beginning of Hogwarts, you'll be just fine. Just be your, yourself. I can, it's hard. You've been singled out and that's always hard. But you'll have a bright time at Hogwarts. I did. Still day. On a matter of fact. Hagrid Hubbard Harry onto the train that would take him back to the Dursleys. Then hotted him on envelope, on envelope. Your ticket for Hogwarts. First of September, King's Cross. It's on, on your ticket. Only bother with the Dursleys and send me a letter with your hulet. She'll can where to find me. See you after, Harry. The train poured out to the station and Harry wanted to watch Hagrid until he was out of sight. He rose up for his seat and pressed his knob against the window, but he blinked and Hagrid was my way.